BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. All right, everybody, let's get excited for day... For today's show. Let's try that again. Let's get excited for today's show. Welcome to BizQuick. <laughs> I thought we we're doing like a new intro now. I don't know. We might be, but we I don't think we talked about it. So Okay. But uh, that's okay. Well, hey, welcome to BizQuick. As always, you've got Corey and Julie here. How's it going, Julie? It's going really well. How's it going with you? It's going just fine. Awesome. Um, today's show is going to be exciting for us. We've got Matthew Deemer. He is running for Congress in Ohio's 16th District. He's a small business entrepreneur, podcast host, and uh, we're going to talk to him about, um, I guess, the role of government in small business. Yeah, I thought you were going to call him a pothead. I thought that's where you were going instead of podcast. Well, I don't know. He might might be. We don't know what happens in Ohio. But yeah, the role of government in small business. So this will be interesting because we don't typically dip our toes too far into the water with respect to politics yes. on this podcast, but today we're going to dive in head first. We are, um, and this will be interesting because uh, he's a Democrat. We are not. Yes, <laughs> um, but the, the the like from everything that I've read, there's so many things that we can agree on, and, mm-hmm. and, and he's got the same message, which... Uh, you know, a lot of politicians have is that I'm going to be a nonpartisan and I'm going to unite Washington and whatever. And obviously you don't want to vote for somebody who says the opposite of that. But that's one thing that I'm definitely going to like want to get into is what is he going to do to actually like yeah. get like to reduce the divide? Yeah. Yeah. That will be it'll be interesting because I think, you know, what happens to so many politicians is. And I don't know because I'm not in politics, but I would envision that, you know, you think from the outside that you're going to change it and then you become a part of it and you realize how quick you realize how easy it is to how hard it is to make the changes, but how easy it is to sort of start doing the exact things that you said you were never going to do, because I imagine there's a lot of money involved. Sure. And, and not and even pressure. Yeah. And, and pressure and it's one of those things where like I guess you you spend all this time fighting for some things and you can't get anything to work so you just say finally screw it I'm just gonna do uh, do whatever I can do to like you know make things better which might go against you know what you initially started to do I don't know yeah I don't know either I'll be really curious about it I mean I have zero desire to be in politics. I don't even like to be around Washington, D.C., right? (laughs) So it'll be this will be an interesting conversation because I do want to ask him some really very straightforward, direct, but tough questions about some of the things that he's hoping to do and how he'll actually be able to make that happen. Right. I don't know what his history is in in politics. If he's you know, if he's new to it. This is the first time he's running. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he was the student council president in high school, though. We don't don't know. I don't think so. But yeah, this is his first time in, you know, politics is definitely on the national level. So um, that'll be. You said he's running for Senate or Congress? Just Congress. Congress. Okay. I'm guessing just the House. Okay. Um, But 
it's my opinion that the role of government should be zero when it comes to business. Small business or big business. Small business. I agree. Just because uh, there's so many roadblocks that get put up and, and so much red tape. And it's especially in some other parts of the country. It's like I don't know why anybody would even bother trying to start a business. You know, like like if you talk about like New York or California with the amount of taxes, the red tape, like all of that stuff. And we live in Virginia, which is small business friendly, but it's still a pain. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I'm so curious to to um, I mean, I want I want to dive further into that, you know, that, you know, we both agree that government shouldn't have a role in small business. Right. But over the past, you know, year and a half, we've seen that role growing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And they're, um, and the mandates that they're forcing down. And um, there were some, you know, really um, very, well, I'll use the word brave, um, business owners who, you know, stood up and said, I'm going to keep my business open. I mean, Ian Smith in New Jersey at, at Atlas Gym is a very, you know, common, everybody knows about Ian, everybody knows mm-hmm. his story. Um, but there are, you know, there's a lot of small business owners like Ian who are like, I'm not closing down. You don't get to tell me what to do with my business. I've built this with my money. Um, and then, you know, they started offering money, the government, not only were they giving the people money, right? These just, you know, stimulus checks, but they were, you know, offering a lot of money to small business owners as well. And I would imagine that, you know, on some level, so this money is to keep you afloat, but also do you think there's more, do you think they got better compliance from people after they gave them money? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's, it, it's kind of like the, the whole extortion of, of uh, government in reverse. Cause now, you know, I agree that there should be some regulations, obviously opening up a restaurant, going to restaurants. Yes. The health department should exist because we don't want, you know, gross restaurants out there like, well, like there people are gross restaurants, i know but but, yeah. but there needs to be some sort of you know we don't want everybody getting e coli every time they eat at a salad bar exactly but there's a certain point where it's too much so it's mm-hmm. like okay make sure everybody's being safe and they're like yeah but we're gonna go just a little bit further and a little bit further and they never step back you know yeah and that's the thing that that always bothers me and, and i say it's like extortion because if you know if you want to get a health permit you have to pay a $40 fee. And if you want to, uh, then you have to fill out another form. That's another $40. And then you have to fill out another form. That's another $40. And then you have to go to ABC and then you have to go to like, and it's just on top of it, it's just compounds and everybody in government, they just want their piece. They're like, right. Oh, well, how can we tax these people? It's like what's going on with crypto right now where like people are like, Oh, well, you should be concerned or whatever. And I was like, well, the government's going to find a way to get their dollars out of well, it. We have, it's coming in the next bill. The bill that just yeah. got passed, but different story. So well, an, another, you know, quick question though, before we, you know, um, bring our guest on is if there's, if we don't think that, you know, we, we both agree that government really shouldn't have a role or a significant role with small businesses. Um, on the other side of that coin, are you, how do you feel about small businesses that are, that, are making up their own mandates or rules in terms of like all of my employees have to be vaccinated for to, you have to be vaccinated to work here. You have to have a vaccination to eat at my restaurant. Like how do you, if it's not breaking a law, I'm all for it. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to see where you, where you stood on that, where they're, you know, issuing the very clear lines are being drawn on. 
vaccination. But that's the way that, like, you should be able to run your business how you want to run your business. If you're not breaking any laws, if you're not hurting people, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I agree. I agree. It's really no different than, you know, if you're a small business owner and you opt not to drug test your employees. Yeah, I, exactly. Like, do it. And, and, you know, I smoked for many, many years. Cigarettes. Yes. Yes. Um, and, like, I quit. And I was still, like, angry when they said, oh, well, we're going to just outlaw smoking in, you know, in restaurants or whatever. And I'm like, well, you can't tell me that I can or can't smoke. It's still legal to smoke cigarettes, you know. Like, if you want to outlaw cigarettes, go right ahead. But telling me that I can't do that in my own business is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. They're like, oh, well, it's for the protection of your staff or whatever. Well, they can go work at a place that doesn't allow smoking. In my opinion, <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's um, let's wrap up, and we'll we'll bring Matthew on. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Hey, everyone. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you all about our friends over at Podmatch. It's like a dating app, but for podcasts. This is a service we use to connect with potential guests for our show, and we connect with other hosts to be a guest on theirs. If you're an aspiring podcaster, have a podcast, or have something you want to share, head on over to podmatch.com slash sign up slash bizquick, or click on the link in the show notes to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We've got Matthew Deemer uh, here from Ohio, and he's going to um, hopefully answer all of our questions about the role of government in small business. But uh, before we jump into that, Matthew, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. Thanks um, for joining us. You're our first politician. You know, we don't we normally avoid politics on our show. Oh, ho, 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 ho. don't leave me a politician. How come on now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's start right there. Why don't you want to be called a politician? Because I'm I'm a dude that's running for office because I think I can make a change and I think that I'm a person like me is needed right now. I think a politician one bad connotation and two it's somebody who I don't know, just politics and I'm just wanting to go out and represent the people. All right. So small business is um, very, very near and dear to our hearts, right? Obviously, we are small business owners and we focus exclusively on working with small business owners. That's our that is our client. That's our that's our core base. And uh, we support them in every way we possibly can. So you're um, running for office and wanting to be in um, Congress. That is a big like your the reason you were we were so interested in having you on our podcast is because of your stance on supporting small businesses as well. So can you talk to us a little bit about how the two sort of married up for you in terms of realizing that this was the direction you needed to go to make big change for small business owners? Well, first, uh, I, I'm also a small business owner, a two-time small business owner. Uh, my first uh, small business was uh, acquired. Um, my second small business is my LLC that I make a daily news show from uh, by Decrypt Media. And so those are my two small businesses. Uh, but I think that we s- always heard the same, I, I guess, narrative over the past decade or more that, oh, there's nothing we can do, right? Oh, the it's Home Depot, so we can't uh, protect the, the small um, hardware store in, on Main Street. Or Walmart or Target, oh, there's nothing we can't do. We can't atta- uh, protect the mom and pop shops. Or, oh, no, all the Chipotles. We can't ch- uh, protect the small business uh, restaurant over there. But during COVID, we saw a conscious change. We saw people drive out of their way, do whatever they could to put money into their small businesses because they saw that that was important to not only to their communities, but to the livelihoods of the people within their communities and the small business owners. I mean, myself, and I probably, you guys probably did too because you are all about small businesses. I drove an hour sometimes just to go to the restaurants that I wanted to put my money into. And I tipped on, it was a takeout, I don't care what it was, 20% was minimum at that time and, and, and up. 
You know why? Because it was important. So we saw a conscious shift in America that wanted to protect our small businesses. And I think that that's uh, very, very important. So part of my platform running for Congress is to make sure the mom and pop stores stay open and we encourage people to open stores and that goes into and i'm sorry here's a i'm going a little bit long here but that goes into you know putting dignity back in the trades make trades sexy again you know if you're whatever your career path if you want to be a plumber or a landscaper or a chef make sure that we know that there's dignity there make sure that we understand that you're part of the community and then encourage you to you know go out and do what you need to do to uh you know pr- uh, um, um provide for your family and and I, I I totally agree with all of that. But what you were talking about is like a cultural shift in in our country. So how can you, as uh, you know, a congressman, help support that? Because I mean, in, in all honesty, like the cultural shift occurred because the government shut down all the small businesses. So you know, like how, how is it that you're going to help help that? Well, I mean, that's a that's a good question. And it's like you said, how can you? But I I don't like that. I like it's how can we. But we already did it. We had the cultural shift. And I think that we can, what we need to do is have people in Congress and people in the, the government understand that that shift happened and perpetuate that. Really, make, let's make campaigns about go to your local store, go to your mom and pop shops, put, put your money there. You know? And it might not be you know, fancy. I know all the, you know, the big money comes from these big box stores into the campaigns. But you know, these are our local communities. These are the people that I know with by their first names. These are the people that are employing people in my community. And we see that that cultural shift happen. So let's all of us, you know, one, make that uh, you know, cultural shift to continue to uh, put money into those stores. But also on a federal level, you know, let's start speaking to that. Let's start, you know, actually making a campaign that says, hey, visit your small businesses. It, I feel like it's going to, that's, it's an upward uphill battle. Um, I love, I love the sentiment behind it, but knowing, you know, how much money companies like Amazon or Target or Walmart or Home Depot or whoever, you know, those big stores, how much they're putting into government how does how do small businesses fight against that? How do they even have like a smidgen of a voice when there's so much money coming from big corporations? And I mean, we saw it where, you know, the small business owners were just like pummeled during COVID and Amazon is increasing their sales by billions over the last 12 months because so many people were afraid to leave their house and were just ordering off pure, pure convenience of ordering off of Amazon. So the question is, how, how do we fight against an Amazon and a Walmart? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I just goes back to my original answer for my last question. For the last question is that it's, it's us. I think that we have fought against them. We have shown that we can keep our stores open if we, if we make a conscious effort to. And it's about electing the officials uh, that, you know, go in there that are coming on the shows like this to, to talk to you about this. And look, I don't know if we're going to agree everything when we, you know, with everything that we're going to say to each other, you know, through the next 10 minutes of this, ep- uh, this episode, but I think we have a good starting point and this is bipartisan. We need to keep the businesses open. Walmart and Amazon have a hell of a lot of money. They're putting a lot of money into lobbying and a lot of money into putting the people that they want to in Congress. So what are we going to do about it? We're going to talk to each other. We're going to make a decision to keep these stores open and we're going to get me into Congress or people like me into Congress that understand the importance of our communities and our small businesses. So what are your thoughts on, um, I don't know if this can be the best term, but I'm going to just call it deregulation because one thing, like I'm, I'm in the process of opening up a restaurant right now and I know you've got a background in restaurants as well, 
Um, Good luck, man. <laughs> um, but there is, um, I mean, there's so many hoops that you have to jump through in order to open up a restaurant. And it just seems like there's more and more every year. And, and it, it starts off at a place where it makes sense because it's for safety. It's making sure that, you know, I'm legally allowed to do X, Y, and Z. But then it just keeps like, we keep just getting more and more and more. And that is a huge pain for somebody like myself starting a restaurant versus if, you know, uh, Outback Incorporated came in and they wanted to open up another restaurant here. I'd have to understand the specific issues like that you're facing to understand a little better. Well, it's, I mean, it, it's all of the forms that you have to fill out, which, you know, whatever, that's fine. But then there's like this circular logic in terms of me being able to get my business license, my alcohol license, and my uh, health department um, license that I can't get one without the other. And it's the, the same way around. And they don't, they don't seem to care. They're like, well, you figure it out. And I'm like, well, if I can't get my ABC license until I have my health, you know, health uh, permit, but I can't get my health permit until I get my business license. And then the business license I can't get until, you know, like there's all of these things where I'm just like, well, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do first, you know? You know, that I, I don't know if I can uh, talk to your, your specific uh, situation, uh, but one thing I, I have in the plans for uh, when I go, in, go into Washington is, I, and especially in, here in Ohio 16, is I want to put the, the entrepreneur aspect into trade schools. And I want to make sure that we have a framework of uh, people to understand how to how to open businesses. Look, I think that we have three, there's three barriers to opening a business, in my opinion. It's, it's knowing the skill, it's the capital, and it's the connections, right? And so, and, and, and knowing the skill is not only the, knowing the skill of like saying open a restaurant, but making the food, but also knowing the skill of, of uh, operating a business. And I think that needs to be in, in trade schools as well. And we also have to provide capital and help people provide capital for these this as well. Uh, so because capital is a big part of that. So what do I mean? It's like, hey, let's make the trade sexy again. Let's make sure that when we go to a trade school and go to like a business entrepreneurial incubator that ties you into you know your local community businesses, to local people in the crafts or the trades or, or whatever they're doing, get people the skills because they want to maybe do this business and then teach them how to run the business, open the business, uh, the, go through the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the the cross their T's and dot your I's things that you have to do, you know, the bureaucracy that you have these mentors that teach you to get in there and then, um, and then, you know, help you and, and foster this, in this, uh, entrepreneurship. Um, so I don't know if I can speak to the, your specific issue, but I do know that I've been part of the thing I'm doing here uh, as a candidate is talking to, I have a show just for this is to talk to small business owners. I got off a podcast today with a small business owner. Um, and, and, and they're telling tell me all the time about what the things that, what things that they are going through. For example, um, I just got off a, a podcast with somebody that uh, a company was called um, Larchmere fireworks. And, and what they do is they do um, it's not fireworks. It's they do um, glass blowing and uh, metalworking or blacksmithing. Right. And they're trying to apply for a PPP loan, and their and their books were not able to get the PPP loan as, or, or apply for that PPP loan because they didn't have the the, the fundamentals of presenting the numbers in a, in a in a fashion that they were looking for, while other companies did because they're just you know a mom and pop shop with just them, you know, doing their work, getting revenue, paying their bills, getting revenue, paying. it didn't look like that. So how do we create this framework of, of allowing people to get into this entrepreneurship, this small business ownership, um, and, 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 and to have a easier path. And I wanted to make sure that we tie that all into trades, into business and make this a whole community-based incubator. And I'll go back to restaurants and your three things about, you know, the three skills you need or, or the, you know, capital, uh, skill and, and connections to open up, a 
a business, but I know like, for example, in restaurants, the only cat, the only like barrier to entry really is cash. There's one, at least here in Virginia, there's one uh, class you have to take uh, for the, for you to get your health permit outside of that. And like, as the owner, I don't even have to take it. Like I could pay an employee, you know, whoever my kitchen manager was going to be to go take that class for me. Hmm. Just somebody has to be, has to have that certification in the restaurant. Um, and so, yeah. And, and that's why I, I mean, so many businesses, so many restaurants fail because if I have an extra $500,000 laying around, I can open up a restaurant. I don't, I've never had to, you know, I don't need to work in a restaurant. I've never, you know, like none of that. Um, and that's why I like your, your, uh, point about, uh, trade schools. Cause I think that's really important. And I think that, I mean, the big business of like college has gotten out of hand as well. I mean, mm -hmm. I learned almost nothing in college. Go Hokies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but, but the entire time I was in college, I was working in restaurants and I got that background in managing businesses, managing people. And, you know, I yeah. built upon that. Well, we always talk about too, you know, dentists and doctors, right? They go, and now we also can add lawyers to that group, right? So where we've spoken with, you know, many people from those different professions and they spend years and years and years in school, right? Getting, you know, learning the skill of being a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer, but they don't know anything about owning a business. And while that may not impact lawyers as much because attorneys generally will go work for another practice first, right? But dentists and doctors a lot of times are opening their own practices and they have no background in business and don't know what to do. And so they're like, well, it, it's it, it's almost, it, it's crazy to think, you know, they can walk into a bank and get a loan to open up a business and they don't know anything about being a business, but they have the degree to be a doctor, you know, whether it be a dentist or, you know, whatever, primary care physician, whatever they are. And so there's just this assumption that they know how to run a business and they, they don't. So I'm with Corey. I love your concept of teaching people the skills of being an entrepreneur. And I think it's so important for, for small business owners and entrepreneurs to get that training. And that's a, that's a big part of what we focus on too, with entrepreneurs is giving them that training. Can I add on to that, please? Uh, because you said something very important is that, you know, a doctor or a lawyer can walk into a bank and get money because they think that they can run a business and they're going to make all kinds of money. And that goes to the, the part of the things I said that's a barrier to entry is the capital, access to capital. How do you get people access to capital? Look, a doctor and lawyer probably knows doctor and lawyers and they can ask their doctor and lawyer friends for a down payment at five grand at a time, right? I mean, it's probably not that much to them. If you have a good connection, they're like, hey, here's five grand. But if you don't come from a place with money or college education or, or people or parents with their doctors and lawyers, $5,000 is unobtainable. So how do you get access to capital for the average person? And I think that we have to tie that in from the federal government as well uh, to these trade schools. I want to, I want people to go into these trade schools uh, to come out with like an idea of how to run a business, an idea of, of, of what they want to do, but also put their own skin in the game. And well, if you come out with a great business plan, you pass with flying colors and you know how to run a business, why don't we match you with some capital, especially if you don't have any? You know, I mean, five grand could be a lot of five mm -hmm. grand could start a business and it could be something from a nail salon. It could be something from like making donuts on the, on, on the, uh, on, on your main street, you know, uh, a, a coffee shop. But why would we stop entrepreneurs and the innovation and the uh, American spirit, if you will, uh, from stopping because of that barrier of access to capital and everybody should have it. Uh, so I, I want to ask a question and um, uh, this might be going 
a little too political or a little too dark, but do you think that there is an overall movement inside of government to start to eliminate or minimize the number of small businesses that exist? I don't know, but it sure feels that way. Okay. Uh, so there's a conspiracy theory that we could say, yeah, of course, you know, they're trying to deliberately, but look, we should, we should be going the opposite direction. We should be looking at every small business and understanding how we support them. Um, and also we should redefine what a small business is. Look, when I talk about a small business, I'm not talking about if you Google small business and what is classified as a small business right now, it's something like, I don't know, 32 to $35 million a year in revenue. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a small business. I'm talking about the corner shoe store that, you know, they're making $200,000 a year in revenue, paying a couple of employees and they're taking home, you know, <laughs> you know, 50 grand for, for yep. as, as the owners a year, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Small business. I'm talking about a restaurant, you know, maybe a million dollars a year in revenue, uh, but you know, you're pay- making, you know, two, 3% margins. You know, that's what I'm talking about is people that, that I'm talking about small businesses. So let's redefine small businesses. Let's redefine the conversation and let's go in there as communities and, and, and focus on those businesses. Because, look, your community is not going to be anything without those local shops. Yeah, we define small business the same way. Yeah. And, and I mean, just in my own personal experience. So 2019 went in to talk to a bank about getting a, an SBA loan. Um, I had to have a pretty significant amount of cash on hand in order to get the loan. But I was also asking for like $800,000. So I had to come up with 10% of that plus some other fines and fees and whatever else that the, they're going to require. But it's still, I mean, a lot of money to, to have just to, to take out a loan. And I'm going in there with years of experience, years of knowledge, like, you know, a, a proven track record. I've got a, a, you know, an actual business plan. Like I've got everything that you should need. And I'm still, you know, after the pandemic started, uh, the the answer I always got from, I'd go back and just talk to the bank just to see what was going on. And it's like, I want to start a restaurant. And it's the same uh, response you gave. Good luck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. I, w- I also, I want to um, ask you another question. I want to pivot the conversation just a little bit, Matthew, because I'm very curious about your thoughts on one of the biggest problems facing small businesses. And, you know, we're talking, you're small, these mom and pop shops that you're talking about, small restaurants, things like that is hiring employees, right? Is a huge problem. And um, I'm going to say it, it is the government's fault (laughs) that that there are so many issues with hiring right now because they're basically paying people to stay home and do nothing. And um, I'm just curious about your take on how the government has impacted small businesses' abilities to find employees and what you what sort of recommendations you give to struggling small business owners when they're trying to find people and they really can't find any help? Small question, huh? You <laughs> gave me a, a, little, a little, just lobbed it to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Softball pitch. No wrong answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, going into the restaurant industry, I, I, I listened to a couple podcasts on this, and I know this was my theory about a year ago, is... I just want to push back on the paced people to stay home and do nothing. We paid people to stay home and they had the opportunity finally to, I guess, be introspective and look to find out what's important and find different opportunities and pivot their life or their career or what they do in day in and day out to something different. So when it comes to restaurants and look, restaurant work is hard. I was in restaurant work until I was 35 years old and I came to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to do this into my 40s or 50s. I'm not going to, right? I'm 42 right now. So I'm 42 this year, excuse me. Um, 
So like there, there's a there's a pivot point. I, I had to make that decision. And so if I didn't, ha- I, I, I was able to make that decision because I had the means to make that decision. If I didn't have the means to make that decision, I would have been plugged into the restaurant industry forever, honestly. And so the the the, the government with what happened here, like it or hate it, gave people the means to look in, look at their self, look at their situation, look at what's around to to maybe make some life changes. So that is could be a good thing. Now, when it comes to looking at hiring for small businesses, we have I think that we have a again, that's going back to defining what a small business is. Look, and we also have to talk about the we also have to talk about what we expect out of companies and small businesses these days. Um, and that's either livable wage, livable jobs, or, or, or livable wages, or whatever, or, or fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage, or, or whatever we're gonna we're gonna say there, right? How does that apply to small businesses? And I think we have to ha- take a critical look of what does that what does that look like to small businesses? Does it, what does it look like to Amazon and Walmart? Pretty sure they can absorb that. What does it look like to the mom and pop sh- or local shoe store or the or the donut shop? We have to really look at that very closely and understand what that looks like. And also, I think we have to look at uh, at fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage and actually see is that actually a, a reasonable number for every state, right? Um, and, and the way that I look at this is, and and I, I haven't actually made this uh, public, so you guys are getting the first uh, idea of this uh, on, on record here. Um, is I think that we have to assess living wages in every city in every uh, state individually. I think that we have to look at the state, and I think that should be an, uh, a guideline of, of we have to look at the, the consumer price index, this, the, the, the consumer, consumer price index of rent and electric and food and uh, your, your phone bill and Wi-Fi has to be included in there. And we have to say, how much does it cost to live in New York? How much does it cost to live in Los Angeles? How much does it cost to live in Ohio 16 or opposed to uh, you know Ohio 4 or Ohio 7, right? And then we make we make wages that uh, that look like the cost uh, the a living wage for those areas because a fifteen dollar across the board might not might not make sense. Does it make sense in New York fifteen bucks an hour? Probably not. Does it make sense in uh, San Diego or or or, or Los Angeles? Probably uh, probably till a little low. Does it make sense in rural West Virginia or Alabama? Probably unaffordable, right? So I think we just have to stop coming with like a, a, a one off for everything, a blanket like policy and start actually, you know, allowing this, giving the tools to the states with, for frameworks to legislate within their state and make it uh, so that we can have living wages for a lot of people and then assess the, the small businesses, not the Walmarts, they can absorb it, but the, 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 the small businesses and look, see, hey, where's your pain points? How can we help and how can this be structured differently? And one, and one thing is like the insurances. Uh, healthcare and all and these other as, uh, things that are huge costs to small businesses that you know aren't 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 given you know by uh, these these businesses as well because of just the enormous costs that are involved. Yeah, and I I will um, I'm, I'm I'm gonna agree with you on two points because I I 100 agree that they're like the one size fits all solution is not what we need to do with this country. We're it's a huge country. You know, like, mm-hmm. and people like they like to compare us against, you know, oh, well, in Finland, it's like, yeah, but Finland's the size of New York. Like, you know, we need to we need to address our country as our country and not try and compare ourselves to others. And then the other thing, yeah, hiring for restaurants. I, I, I completely agree that most of the restaurant uh, employees who didn't go back to work had that time off and realized, oh, yeah, this job sucks. And I hate people because people are just <laughs> awful. People are <laughs> awful. One hundred percent. Yeah. But uh, we have to start wrapping it up here. So before we go, can you let our listeners know how they can learn more about you? 
Yeah, 100%. You can go to DeemerForCongress.com, and I am going to spell it, D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com. Uh, you can follow me on my socials there. You can read my blog posts. You can see my uh, uh, podcast that I make specifically for uh, running for office and talking to small businesses or community members. Um, you could, And also you can check out my donation page as well if you feel that you liked what you heard here and you want to support a candidate going to Congress that is going to help protect small businesses. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on our show, Matthew. We really appreciate you giving your time so generously. And before we go full on into our outro, we do want to take a minute to ask you if there's anything that we can do. How can we support you? What what can we do for you? Share the podcast. Keep doing a good job. Keep supporting small businesses. And hey, you know what? If you guys have a small business pack or a small business organization, let's connect the whole country together. Let's make sure that everybody across the United States is working to support small businesses. And it can start here. I'm with you. I love that idea. All right. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We really appreciate you. And everything you want to know about Matthew is in the show notes. And if you're interested in working with us, you can hit us up on our website. Yeah, and that website is sbpace.com. And you can connect with us on our social media. We've got LinkedIn, Twitter, which we're probably going to get rid of, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Everything you need to know is on our website. We also have TikTok now. We Uh, are part of the cool crowd. It is official. Hey, download and rate our podcast. And if you can also spare a few minutes, go ahead and give us a review. We would really appreciate it. And if you're interested in hearing any topics, just fill out the form on our website and let us know. And we'll do what we can to get the topic covered. And don't forget to buy our book. It's called Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. We've got a digital workbook download available on our site. It's a number one Amazon bestseller. And if you've already purchased it, make sure to go back out to Amazon rate and review it. And speaking of small business, we might change that. <laughs> change what? Selling it on Amazon. Oh, right on. <laughs> I was also just going to say, hey, for this, this one show only, I'm going to throw this out there. If you're interested in receiving a free copy of our book, send us an email at info at sbpace.com with your name and your address, and we'll send you a book. I promise yes. we will. We happen to have a few spare copies lying around. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this is BizQuick, helping small businesses across America. 